What's up, everybody? We're on Facebook Live. I'm trying to connect to Instagram. All right, we're live on everything. So we're live on Facebook, live on Instagram. Let me see if I can get up. Oh, flipped it by accident. Hang on. I'm trying to get this to get in here. Oh, man, of course. It doesn't work. But all right, I'm gonna we're, we're gonna continue on. So <clears throat> I'll put it in Instagram later. But so this has been this is episode 91 of Goals and Updates. We're almost to 100 episodes. It's right, Ashman. We're almost on 100 episodes. So uh, <clears throat> this is the third episode I'm doing this week. I'm trying to type this in. Uh, episode 91 of hang on, guys, of Goals and updates oh, i spelled goals wrong there we go i got it i fixed it all right so here we go all right <clears throat> i just wanted to get that it was going to bother me the whole entire episode i got to get it done so all right so today we're going to be talking about some cool topics uh we're going to talk about millennials or the generation of depression which i'll get into obviously more when we get to the topics and then look ahead, not behind you. I've uh, I've I've done a I think I've done a topic similar to this, but I heard a quote and I heard something that kind of resonated with me a lot. So I wanted to go back and kind of talk about that. How we normally do this show is I do um, I talk about basically myself. So I do like an update. That's why it's called goals and updates. So I update you guys on what I'm doing in my life, different things that have happened to me, and um, I just update you basically on what's going on with my life. Sorry, I'm trying to fix this. And from there, then I go into two topics and then the two topics I listed to you. So millennials are the generation of depression and then look ahead and not behind you. And then I talk about done deal investments. So there are little segments. So we'll start by talking about what goals and updates really is. And then I'll do the up, you know, updates of, of myself. So the reason I created goals and updates was because I, I realized there's a lot of negativity in the world. Uh, people generally are naturally negative. If you haven't realized, just, you know, step out into your local market, go to the gas station, work, uh, work especially because everyone's miserable at work because they probably work, uh, you know, at your company or whatever, uh, you know, company you're working for. They're, most of the people around you are very, very negative and they, it's because they hate their job. They kind of probably hate the position they're in and they don't know how to get ahead. So you're constantly always surrounded by negativity and it's very natural for human beings to be negative. So I wanted to create content that would help people, uh, motivate people to do their dreams, their goals, their desires, and try to give them a little bit of peace of mind, give them some positivity in their life. And I found that, you know, creating a podcast, I've, I've watched a lot of podcasts, uh, you know, especially I listen to them in the car. So I thought to myself the best way to market uh, myself, my business, and create that foundation of positivity was to create my own podcast. And um, if anyone knows me in real life as, a, you know, as a friend, family, whatever it is, um, I like to say that I don't have friends, I have family, I create family, not friends. But if you know me outside of, you know, the podcast and everything, you'll understand why, like, I, I created goals and updates, because I'm a very positive, upbeat type of person. And I constantly try to motivate other people around me that maybe hit a, a rough patch or hit a depression point. And I realized that if I could help people around me, it would also boost my self-esteem. It would also help me um, in a more positive way. So by helping others, I'm really helping myself. And by helping myself, I'm really helping others. So that's why I created Goals and Updates. So it's just a show that's going to try to help you 
basically try to change that negative mindset into a more positive mindset. So I'm going to start off by talking about myself a little bit and updating you guys so far. Uh, this has been the third episode I've done this week. And the fourth one, it's probably not going to happen tomorrow. It's going to probably be Saturday around 5. I get off work around 4.30, so I'm going to do it around 5. Um, and then we'll go into next week's uh, episodes. So for updating, for goals and updates, I got episode two on SoundCloud. I have to work on um, you know the About Me page and everything. I have to start uploading some imagery uh, and marketing imagery for goals and updates. I haven't really sat down with myself with goals and updates and really mapped out what I want um, an image to be. And if for anyone that doesn't know, I'm a, I'm a pretty big marketer. So I kind of want to sit down with myself, go through some, you know, think about what I really want my images to stand out and be, because that's the first thing everyone's going to see when they, uh, you know, go on SoundCloud or iTunes is the imagery or the pictures and, you know, what, you know, what is goals and up people are going to read the title and be like, what's goals and updates. So I want an image that kind of, kind of promotes it self-explanatory in a, in a sense, but I also want, I can do like a little background drop on SoundCloud. I don't know if you can do it on iTunes. I haven't really experimented with iTunes, but um, on SoundCloud, you get a little banner in the back and I wanted to, you know, create some type of imagery for that. So I got to work on that, but episode two is up on uh, SoundCloud itself. And once I get to like episode six on there, it takes a long time to download these episodes from Facebook, by the way. I, uh, the first couple of episodes I think I did was like 30 minute episodes. Now we're at like an hour, an hour and a half. So I'm sure it's gonna be even longer once I get to like episode 32 uploading it on there. But um, uploading the SoundCloud is quick, right? But when I download from Facebook, it takes me like an hour per episode. So it's, it's ridiculous. And then, uh, and then the other thing too is um, it'll stop the server. So it downloads forever. And in between the downloads, it stops and I have to hit resume. So it take, you know, it's it's kind of a pain in the butt, but definitely worth it on my part to do it, right? So I'm gonna commit to that for you guys. And I'm gonna try to branch out a little bit and get onto different uh, social media platforms basically and, and do it so that way there's audio where people can listen to the audio. And at the same time, people can uh, you know, just listen to the audio. And then I wanna go on YouTube and I wanna cut them down to smaller segments for people. Cause I get a lot of complaints where they're like, Oh, it's too long. It's, it's over an hour and I can't watch it for over an hour. So that's what I'm going to use YouTube for. I'm going to cut it down into small segments for each topic and updates and, and whatnot. I'm just going to cut them down into 20 minute segments. And that it's kind of what Joe Rogan does. Like if you go and watch Joe Rogan, you'll, you'll understand what I'm talking about where I, he does playlists and he cuts them down into 20 to 40 minute segments. So that's what I'm going to try to do. So that's for goals and updates. I had a pretty cool thing happen to me today where I had, um, I think I was telling you guys this yesterday on the uh, episode 90 of Goals and Updates, but I had an old person or an old friend reach out to me, uh, Felipe, and I called him back today. I couldn't get a hold of him yesterday, but I called him back today. We picked up, talked to him for maybe about five to 10 minutes, I to, and we were just catching up basically. And he was like, hey, how's everything going? He's like, I haven't talked to you in a, in a while. He's like, I'm just trying to see what's up. And I'm like, hey, man, I'm doing so much good stuff, yo. Like, you know, I'm working at this other company. Um, um, he was the one that introduced me to Toastmasters. And I don't think he's a Toastmaster anymore. But uh, I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm still in Toastmasters. Like, I'm winning awards. Like, I'm going in. And now I'm like, uh, now I'm an officer. They ranked me in as an officer, as, as a PR officer. So I'm like, I'm doing really well with Toastmasters. Like, I appreciate you helping me out with that and just kind of updating him and he was like hey the reason i was actually trying to call you is because i wanted to invest 
you know, in the properties or whatever with done deal investments. And he was like, that's, that's why I was calling. He's like, I wanted to see if I could become like an investor within that, uh, within your company, basically for done deal investments. And I was like, oh, that's great. So I was talking to him a little bit about that and updating him on basically what's going on with that. But it was just kind of cool because he was contacting me for that. Right. But it was an opportunity for me to catch up with him. So, but it was really, really weird because like I was telling you guys last episode, um, he, like I was talking to my friend, he asked me about the story about Toastmasters, went into whole detail about it. And he, and I haven't talked to this person in over like two and a half months, maybe three months. And randomly I get a call the next morning from this person. And I'm like, Oh man, like, I wonder what he, what he wants. Like, not what he wants. Like, I don't know if he wanted anything, but I'm just like, I'm wondering, you know, I'm wondering why he's calling. Like I haven't, I haven't reached out to him in the last two and a half to three months and not really sure why he's calling, you know, but you know, always opportunity, right? It's everything's opportunity. I always look at everything as an opportunity. So, um, at the same time, so, you know, that, that was kind of interesting. I, I wanted to update you guys on that. Cause that was kind of cool for me. Like for someone that I knew to call me and be like, Hey, like I want to invest, like I want to do this. And that means he trusts me enough to invest with me, right? The under, you like, and and he should because I've I've talked to him and I've gotten to know him. He's a he's a great guy, right? He helped me out a lot throughout what I'm doing right now with uh, public speaking. So, um, so that's that. I also wanted to update you guys that uh, it's kind of a life goal that I'm reaching right now. Where last night I was up until probably like almost 12, 12 a.m. Probably almost twelve thirty a.m. And I was working on my budget for my personal and my business budget because. What I do is I take my personal, the leftover money from my personal budget, I move it over to the business budget. And that's the money I work with um, on top of, uh, you know, if, if I was getting any income from something else, then I obviously would add that into the budget. But um, what I was doing basically was working on my budget, which everyone should have, right? Everyone should have a budget. If you're not, if you don't have a budget, I, it's the stupidest thing that you're probably doing to yourself. You're actually sabotaging yourself because, you don't know how much money you're taking in versus how much money's getting out of your pocket. So most people are going negative, right? So they're using a lot of credit and they're using it on depreciating items like food, uh, shopping, um, cars, like different things that depreciate in value and aren't an asset and doesn't increase in value, right? So, and I, and trust me, like I was, I, I was doing the same thing, right? I was doing the same thing before I started learning about credit I started learning about personal finance, um, and what I was, what I, what I decided to do was, I know that statistically speaking, I think it's like eighty-five percent of Americans do not have a household budget. They don't know how much money's coming in and how much money's going out. So I knew I had to, I had to do a budget. And by the way, there's no excuse for you not to do a budget. If you have an Apple computer, I use Numbers. I think it's called Numbers. It will automatically generate a budget for you. All you do is plug in your data and it'll create everything. And it'll be like, all right, this is how much income's coming in. This is how much, you know, how much expenses you have. And this is how much money you have left over after everything. So there's no excuse. Like every computer nowadays will automatically be able to generate you a budget. You just have to take the time to figure out, go through your credit card statements, go through uh, your debit expenses and just be like, all right, I pay every single month this car payment, this car insurance, this, plug it into the automatic budget and it'll basically do it for you. So there's really no excuse with technology nowadays why you don't have a budget. Now the hard part is following the budget, um, which I do pretty well. I go pretty conservative on my budget where I, um, I round it up, I round every number up to the next dollar 
And then what I do is I'm like, okay, this is how much money I made. This is how much money I'm going to have left over. And then I'm like, all right, I got to cut everything. So like I go extremely conservative on that where I, I cut everything and I try to live well below my means, right? Like extremely below my means where I'm like, all right, like if I go out to eat here, I can only get like a, you know, maybe a $10 meal and that's it. Uh, and maybe a drink, but that's it. Like I can't get dessert. I can't get this. I can't, you know, I tell myself like I haven't earned that yet. I use the phrase. I didn't earn that yet. I can't, I can't get that yet. Um, so that's what I try to do. I, I try to cut everything. And right now I'm about to hit credit card debt free. All right. First time ever, I think I've ever been credit card debt free because um, I started using a budget. I started learning how much money I'm intaking and how much money's going out. Right. So I was able to kind of go, okay, I can put this amount of money towards this credit card bill. And now I'm going to, now instead of the credit card company charging me interest, I'm going to charge the credit card company interest. And you're probably telling yourself, how, how are you going to do that? How are you going to charge the credit card company that gave, that is basically giving you the money uh, and making money off them? Well, what I'm going to do now that I'm going to be debt free on all my credit cards is I'm going to use the credit cards as normal expenses. So when I go and get gas, I fill up at least twice a week. So four times a week, right? Um, and then if I go and get food or anything that I know I can afford with my own personal cash, um, and so on, right? The car payment. Well, car payment, I, you could do. I'm probably not because it's set up a different way. I don't use a credit card for that. Uh, car insurance, I can't do because I, I pay cash directly to my dad. But at the same time, you know, like other expenses. So like uh, like MacKeeper, which would be software, I'd use a credit card. Um, i trying to think what else is on my budget over here. I have it right here. I can look at it. But so any basically any expense I put on the card that I know I can pay off every single month, Every single month that credit card statement comes in, I pay it off in full and I collected the rewards and the bank got nothing from me. That's how you should be using the credit cards, right? Um, now, obviously, if an emergency came and you didn't really have emergency funds, which would be your own fault, you didn't have emergency funds, then you kind of want to you know, try to use the credit card as, as a little bit of leverage for yourself if you really needed it. But I would really only use the credit card in that type of way for any type of emergency. Um, where it's like, all right, I, I had to go to the hospital and I really needed to go and I don't have the money. So I have to use my credit card. I have to use some of the money as like leverage almost. Uh, it wouldn't really be leverage because, you know, it's obviously depreciating cash when you're going to the hospital, but you kind of understand what I'm, I hope you understand what I'm saying, uh, where you're using it as an emergency backup rather than just spending and putting crap on your credit card. So then the next thing I have to work on is the, per, is this personal loan that I'm working on. Um, and that's, you know, that's kind of, it's kind of high, but now since I'm credit card debt free, or I'm technically not, I will be tomorrow cause I get paid tomorrow. So that's why I'm telling you, I'm basically credit card debt free. Um, now what I can do is every single paycheck I get now, I can throw a little bit more towards that loan and pay that debt off faster. So I think the loan that I have is about a four year loan. I'm going to try to cut it down to three quarters of that and get it paid off in about a year. Uh, so that's what I'm, you know, that's what you should be aiming. Um, never pay the minimum on credit cards or loans. Always try to pay way, way above the minimum. Cause if you pay the minimum, you'll be paying interest for as long, you know, for a long ass time. And that's how they rake, that's how they rack the money in on you is you're, you're spending too long on debt from them. And they're, they're collecting a lot of money off you from the long term. Uh, compounded interest is what it's called. So that's what you should be working on. Right. And 
Um, so once I get that loan basically paid off, I'm basically debt free, like personal debt free. And then I got to start, you know, working on other things. But that's my main focus right now is, you know, get paid tomorrow, become credit card debt free, stay focused and keep on using the credit card companies, not letting them use me, pay off that big ass loan. And now I'm debt free. And now I can, you know, and it's also good to have some of this stuff, by the way, too. Like, I tell people about that personal loan and some people are like, oh, wow, you took out that, you took out a loan, you took out a loan, but it's also kind of good. You want, kind of want different debts because when you go in and you try to get, um, let's say I needed a, um, a big, a big loan from, um, a bank, right? They really want to see that you can take care of not just credit card, uh, you know, like credit card debt. They want to see that you can also take care of like loans and there's so many different types of loans. So, the, the point that I'm trying to make here is it's kind of good to get different types of loans. I obviously you don't want all different types of loans at the same time, but you want different things like a car loan is a little bit different. Uh, personal loan is a little bit different. Uh, th- like a mortgage. I don't really agree with the whole mortgage thing, but you know, it's a, it's a, it's a topic for a whole different, different day. Um, but that's what, that's what you should be doing. Trying to get into little, little things that you can handle. Don't over chew but take little things where it'll come back on your credit. And it's not a, it's not a big factor that they look at with the credit card. Uh, it, but it is a small thing when they take into consideration if you're going for like a higher type of loan. And the reason I know this, by the way, is because I sit down with the bank tellers. Sit down with the bank tellers and I talk to them um, I, like for if I have to go there for a business or something in, in like business terms or if I have to go there because I need a loan, like for that personal loan, I did not do the personal loan online. I physically went into my bank, sat down with the bank teller one-on-one eyeball to eyeball. And I, and I talked to him about the loan. Hey, what do I need to get this loan? Hey, what, like, what's this? What's that? What's this? What's that? Right. And I sat down with them and I said, Hey, if I do this, what would happen to this? So, and I'm telling you, I would not do any type of loans or credit card things. Um, basically online. I mean, credit card is kind of a little bit different because uh, you have to meet qualifications in a sense. But if you're doing any like type of loan, like a personal loan, I'm telling you, I'd go into the bank uh, and talk to a bank teller. I wouldn't go in um, or a bank agent. I wouldn't do it online. Because then you screw up your credit too. If you if you keep on trying to apply for these things and they keep on denying you, it, it, it actually, they put them as strikes against your credit. So I, and I might do a segment, honestly, on credit. I mean, it's, I'm telling you, it's all stuff that I, I thought about doing, like credits, uh, like trying to get like loans or anything like that, like doing a segment on that. But so that's that. So I'm going to basically be like credit card debt free tomorrow. Then I got to work on the loan and then I'm basically debt free. So it's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool feeling just to, to climb out of like the, the, the debt of like credit card debt consumption, right? Because everyone has that. Um, and no one teaches you about the credit cards and stuff like that. So I, I kind of learned obviously the hard way, like most people got a little bit too deep into credit card debt. And that's actually why I got another job because I had too much debt. I was like, all right, I, I have too much debt, too much personal consumption debt. Cause when you're in college, no one teaches you that you do some stupid stuff. You end up buying things that you know, you can't afford. And I, um, I basically had to go get another job. Like the job I was making wasn't really, really like helping me out at all. And I, and I'm that, that's why I'm actually working at the warranty company right now. Cause I'm like, all right, they're going to increase me. I'll work full time, more hours, get more benefits. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to go here. And then I increased my pay. So I'm increasing my income and I, now I have to cut my expenses. And that's basically all I did. Now, 
trying to think if there's anything else I want to talk about on here. Uh, credit card. All right, so we did the credit card debt free. Working on the routine is is something I wrote down, but I'm trying to get back into working out. So I was sick for like two weeks and really bad uh, congestion, like all in here, like mucus, everything. It was terrible. And I, um, <clears throat> I, uh, I, I couldn't really work out because if I, because I really like, my big thing is cardio. Like obviously lift weights, you know, work on my biceps, work on, on legs and work on basically upper body and everything, chest, bice- uh, triceps, all that stuff, but, and back. But my big thing is cardio because I'm constantly sitting in a chair for, you know, eight hours a day. So my big thing is I have to get cardio in. So I always make sure every single workout I I go on a treadmill and I run at least for 30 to 40 minutes, um, you know, like three times at least a week. Uh, You know, eventually I want to get to like five a week and then maybe six or, you know, I work on a, a, a bigger schedule once I get, you know, into into the routine, basically. But sick for two weeks. And when I get sick, I just really, I'm not motivated to go and I don't end up going to the gym. So I was sick for like two weeks, didn't end up going, messed up my whole entire workout schedule. So uh, right now, you know, I'm working on going back. So I got to go tonight. And once I get back on that routine, I think I'll feel a little bit better. But I've just been kind of in this rut of like, uh, like sitting down and like, I just know I gain, like, you know, I weigh myself every single day to kind of make sure, you know, I'm tracking things. Like I got to make sure I track things. So Weight's a big one that most people do not track. They do not track what they're eating. And so I got to start tracking that. But I was doing pretty well with like tracking my weight, tracking what was what was going into my body um, and working out. And I got on a pretty good routine and then I got really, really sick and I and I just it just messed me up completely. So I got to start trying to, uh, you know, get back on that routine. So, you know, I've, I've slacked on it for the last uh, uh, maybe a month. Like, I'm going to be honest with you, like the two weeks and then maybe another two weeks because I couldn't I couldn't get back into the routine. So I'm going to go tonight, update you guys on Saturday, you know, how the, the whole gym schedule is working out and everything. But uh, that, that's a big update that I'm telling you because, you know, I'm not I'm not too happy about that. Like uh, it, it's something where I'm, I, I know like I'm just sitting at my desk and I'm just I kind of feel bad because uh, I feel you know terrible about myself because I'm like, oh, man, I was doing so good. And then I just decided to, to, you know, not go anymore. And, and it kind of, it screwed me up mentally and physically and, uh, you know, all, all of the above, you know, that all, all of the above checklist. So gotta get back into that. So those are my updates. Uh, now we're going to go into these two topics. So the first topic I want to talk about is millennials or the generation of, of depression. Now, when I heard this, right, I was watching this uh, interview and I don't, I can't remember exactly who the interviewer and the interviewee was. Uh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to like think for a second, but the person I was talking about uh, depression, they're, they're kind of talking about depression, medications. Uh, We're kind of in a, an era where medication is very commonly used as a, as a, as a practice. Basically Uh, you'll see ads all the time being displayed on, on your TV Oh, you're depressed. Oh, you have this side effect. You have this, you know, you have this symptom. You have that symptom. Uh, take, take, uh, uh, Zyx or whatever. And Zyx will cure everything and you'll be better. And then they'll list all the side effects that you could get from it. And it's more, and it's always like 20, 20 times worse side effects from it than what you're constantly going through. Like, like, like depression, like chronological depression or something, or, 
um, like uh, you're, you could have ulcers, stomach ulcers, right, from taking this medication. And we're becoming an error where we're just, instead of someone sitting down and talking to someone and trying to really work out the issues they have within themselves, we're going to medication now. Like we're just going into that era where we're going into medication and what this, per what's up, Jimmy. And what this person was saying was uh, millennials. So the millennial generation is a generation where it's, it's probably the most, um, the most depression state type of generation and the most used medication for, for uh, depression. And what he was basically stating on this was that, you know, we basically went backwards instead of like basically what changed because your parents went through some of like the similar stuff that you're probably going through now, what changed, right? And what he went over was that everything is so high in demand now, right? Like you have Amazon, which basically delivers everything right to your doorstep in two minutes. Uh, you have, you have like uh, Postmates, I think it's called Postmates and Uber Eats and things that basically deliver everything within that same day. You have uh, mailed in stuff that can come in uh, one day delivery, right? Like, so um, i trying to think of it, UPS, FedEx, all those places can do one day delivery, right? So it's high in demand stuff that we're talking about where it's the generation where everything is accessible. It's so easy. Within a snap of your finger, you can get basically whatever you want on demand, right? And what he's basically saying through this was, since you can do that, since everything's on demand, we tend to want things. And if we can't get something, we tend to go and, and kind of like get depressed. So that's that was his conclusion, basically, of why a lot of people, millennials in general, basically kind of become a little bit more depressed. And he was saying, like, for some reason... Uh, which, you know, I have a, you know, I'm pretty sure we all kind of probably have an understanding of probably why doctors are kind of pushing the medications is because it's, it's a business, right? Uh, the, it, it's, it's a big bit. It's a, actually a massive business where they're the, the drug companies are basically making a lot of money, um, like referrals almost by pushing these drugs on, on, on customers. And as a business, right, you obviously need a target audience to push the drugs on to, to make the money. You, you know, if you don't have a target audience, you can't, you can't basically sell your product. So what, um, what he was saying basically was that's, that's part of the reason too was, is that these uh, medication companies or drug companies are pushing it. But at the same time, the like society in a sense is kind of, kind of creating more depression in the sense of like the high demand, you know, everything's in such high demand. So when I read that, it was kind of, or I didn't read it. I, I listened to it or watched a little bit of it, but it was kind of interesting when I was watching it because I started, cause I already, I already have ideas about depression. As most people know, uh, you know, I was really depressed. A, like, uh, I don't even know how long ago. I mean, that's how long ago it was where I was like really, really depressed. I think it was like five years ago, six years ago where I was, um, I was really, really depressed. Like I, I did a lot of stupid stuff because, um, you know, I, I love this one girl, this girl ended up uh, getting into an arranged marriage. Uh, long story short, I ended up trying to stay with the person, uh, for like two years after, and I ended up getting emotionally attached. And the other person basically said, you know, I, I can't do this anymore and, and dipped. And I put all my eggs as I like to say, all my eggs in, in that basket where I was 
uh, trying to do everything for that person and not for myself. And when, and when that person left, I, uh, I, I thought I had nothing left. I'm like, I have nothing because I put all this energy and all this effort into this person and it was all for nothing. And, you know, I didn't have, I lost all my, my self worth worth because I pushed everything into that one person and didn't really take care of the one person that probably really mattered, which was myself, right. Or who did matter was myself and went into this really crazy depression state for like months. Like, uh, probably easily, I'd, I'd honestly say probably like five or six months, uh, maybe even longer until I realized, you know, I started watching some videos I started watching some other stuff and I realized what my problem was. And I realized that, uh, we're constantly surrounded by negativity. We're constantly, uh, told, you know, that you should do something, especially society in general tells you that you have to do this X, Y, and Z, uh, you know, go get a nine to five, go, go in and be this individual. Don't be that individual. Don't break the rules. Don't do, don't do that. Um, and you know, that, that that's the big problem is I, I really feel like a lot of us are, are not happy with ourselves because we don't have any more self-worth in ourselves. And that's what depression really is. Right. Cause I was doing a lot of thinking on this uh, once I got out of it. And I was like, you know, what was that? I, th- yeah, I was like, it's never happened to me ever in my whole entire uh, I think at that time I was probably like 19, 18, 19 uh, years old. And I'm like, for 18 years, I never felt anything like that. And I was like, what is it? And I knew it had to do something with that person. I wasn't really quite sure. I knew it was obviously kind of depression, but you hear it a lot where people are like, I'm depressed. I have anxiety. I have, I have this. And I, and I was always trying to figure out what it really was. And I realized that, um, especially because it's kind of, it is a big political, um, you know, they really don't talk about it a lot in politics, but it is kind of a political uh, component. But a lot of politicians do not talk about it. I mean, I think you kind of have the right that's kind of talking about, in a sense, they're talking about uh, like mental health and different aspects of that. But you really don't hear too much about the, and like drug drug companies and how they're kind of like, they're pushing all these drugs. It's kind of coming from the right. The left isn't really doing that. The left is just kind of like, like, I don't even think the left has really brought up anything with like mental health or anything like that. It's normally been kind of like the right. Right. But anyways, but, and most, and and my conclusion is because the left, obviously uh, like government and everything, you know, government is very hand in hand with medic, you know, the medical, um, like healthcare and everything. So they need the drug companies to make money in order for them to keep going. And like they talk with, uh, with lobbying and stuff like that lobbyists where they, they pay X, Y, and Z and they make the laws. Yeah. They're getting paid by the drug companies to make the drug laws. So, you know, it's ironic that they're telling you about, you know, lobbying and all that other stuff, but they're, they're, they're in bed with, uh, the drug companies for, you know, your, your medical, uh, drug companies and everything like that. So, you know, it's kind of, it is kind of ironic, right? That they're talking about that, but it, that's something maybe for a whole nother, uh, a whole nother, another day. I try to I try, I try my best not to talk about politics, but like I told you, it's, it's really hard when you're talking about a lot of this stuff because it ties hand in hand with one side. It really does. Like, it, like I'm telling you, it, it it's kind of crazy once you start kind of diving into some of these topics, because it's going to push you in, into one direction. It's not going to push you into the left. It's going to probably push you more to the right. Or you might just get more center, but it's still, if you were really hard left and it pushes you to the center, 
you, you tend to, you know, you tended to go more a little bit towards the right. Right. So that's my point. But, um, depression. And I remember a long time ago, uh, when I was first dating my ex-girlfriend, uh, and I did a segment on this. I don't remember what episode it was. It was, a, it was when I first started and I talked about depression and, I realized that depression was basically myself, right? Like I created the depression. No one else, society really didn't really do too much damage on creating the depression or that state, that stage of mind. I created that for myself, right? And that's why depression is such a difficult element to conquer because the the people that are depressed or in that depressed stage are really battling themselves. And you know, it's, it's easy to see an enemy from afar or close when it's not you and it's someone else, but when it's your own self, it's kind of hard for you to dive into yourself and pick out what's wrong. And that's why you have a lot of these people that go to the doctors and they're like, Hey, like something has to be wrong with me. I can't figure out how to get out of this funk. I can't figure out how to get out of depression. And when you go to the doctor, obviously the doctor doesn't know who you are. So the doctor goes and then describes the drug. And then obviously the drug isn't, isn't your solution. It's a, it's almost like a bandaid effect and then it creates more havoc. And then you're like, you know, you're like, uh, like, I don't understand now I'm in worse shit than I was. It's because you ha- you didn't figure out yourself. Um, whenever, you're, whenever, what I realize is whenever you hit that depressed stage, it's something internally. So you have to sit down with yourself and really try to figure out what's going on with yourself. And that's the key to depression. It's almost like when people are like, I want money, right? When, when people are like, I want money, but I don't want to work for it. It doesn't exist. You have to trade in order to get money, right? In the economy or to get money overall, you have to trade value for value, right? It's business talk. You have to trade value for value. So when you work, you're trading your potential value or skill for money. That's the value trade in that. So that's why... When I tell you that, um, it, you know, you're, you gotta, you know, you can't just expect to take a drug and all your problems disappear. It's the same exact ideology or metaphor. It's, you can't just take something and expect everything to get better. You have to figure it out on your own. And that's the hardest part is most people don't want to figure it out on their own. They don't want to take the time to figure themselves out. And honestly, you know, it's one of those things like you kind of have to just fit, you gotta, you, once you figure it out, you kind of understand it right? Things happen for a reason. I was meant to go through that uh, emotional uh, disaster for a reason. I I 110% believe that, by the way. I I physically had to go through that in order to figure myself out more clearly. And as soon as I figured myself out more clearly through that, that uh, that depressed era of my life, that's when I started figuring out who the real Tyler Dunn was. And that's the person you're looking at right now, because I went through that, that stage. And then I was like, all right, I'm more you know, where, where do I fall on politically? Oh, I fall more towards the right, not the left. You know, then I started marking off my beliefs. You know, I'm very, you know, am I more of a liberal or am I more of a conservative? Oh, my beliefs fall more on conservative. So I got to lean more into conservative, you know, being a conservative. Um, uh, you know, do I believe in, you know, know, like fixing myself or do I believe in someone else should fix my problems? Oh, I believe I should fix my problems and no one else should, you know, it shouldn't be, my neighbor's issues that I'm having issues with, right? Like they shouldn't be, they shouldn't be involved in my issues or trying to fix my issues. That's my job. Right. So that's what I mean by like, that's why when sometimes people are like, I'm independent, I really do like, and like, trust me, like, I don't have anything against people. Like 
Um, I, I talk about politics with whoever can handle talking about politics. And if you're someone on an opposite opposing side, I'm well for it. And I do. And I, and sometimes I do get into like disagreements where it gets a little dicey and, and sometimes, because it's a very personal thing with politics. That's why it's really hard with, with, uh, conversations when you're dealing with someone that has a lot of opposite viewpoints as you, it, it's cause like you're both on a personal level and you're trying to, um, hash that personal belief of different viewpoints out. And it's really hard. It's really difficult. But um, the point that I wanted to make on this was if um, I lost my train of thought going into that, but the, the point that I wanted to tell you is like depression links to yourself. So you have to figure yourself out. So that's why you got to like lean into different things. So if you're, you know, if you're, um, if you're someone that, you know, believes in something that's different from me, like go all, all for it. But I got, I, you know, and I came back to me, but the point I was trying to make with like between picking um, either, you know, being a Democrat, Republican or independent, uh, like my point on it is like you, you can call yourself an independent, but through everything you're, you eventually have to pick a side. There really is no independent viewpoint. And what I mean by that is like, you maybe can agree with a, a viewpoint on the left and maybe you do fall 90% to the right or vice versa or whatever. But when you claim that you're an independent and you're not picking a side, it's almost like you don't have enough figured out between yourself within yourself to really decide. And that's kind of the, you know, like the most common thing I hear from people is both sides are corrupt. Uh, it's bullshit. Um, and that's why I go independent. And I, I agree with you in the sense where you shouldn't rely on government. Like, I don't think the Republican uh, the Republican Party by far is perfect, right? Um, I don't And I don't rely on the Republican Party to fix all my problems. I don't even rely on the president of the United States to fix all my problems. Because uh, if you're relying on government to fix your problems, you'll be well dead and in the six feet under the ground before they even fix all your problems. It's up to you to create your own economy. It's up to you to create... Uh, your own mentality. It's up to you to create your own attitude. It's up to you to, you know, fix your, your financial issues. It's up to you to fix your uh, mental stage, uh, you know, and so far and, and so forth. But the, the point is like, if you don't, if you don't pick, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter if you're independent because one side's going to take office or not. There's no, there's really no such thing as a third party, right? Um, the one guy tried, I forgot the guy's name didn't work out. Cause he could, you know, he knew he couldn't, he couldn't do anything. He had to pick a side. It's kind of what happened with Trump when he ran, he wanted to go more independent as an independent third party, but he knew he couldn't do it. He knew, he knew he had to get political support. So he had to pick a side and he knew his beliefs did not fall on the left. So he had to go with the right, which was Republican. And so he started running as a, a Republican primary in the, in the Republican primary race. And he ended up winning, obviously, and then obviously the 45th president of the United States, right? So the point I'm trying to make to you is like even the person that was trying to run for a third party knew he couldn't do it and dropped out. Like that's that's what you just saw. Like the uh, the guy, I, I really can't remember his name, but he was like he was like a, a founder of uh, co-founder or something of Starbucks. Uh, he was running as a independent, and he had to kind of run with the the left or the Democrats because there's only one that would actually accept him, basically. And they basically chewed him out and said, hey, you didn't you didn't have all our beliefs like screw you. We don't want you like you're nothing like get out of here. And and, the, and he had to drop out of the race because he, he, he couldn't get enough support to run. He had the money, 
but he couldn't generate enough support from those two bases to basically do anything about it. So the, the point I'm trying to make to you is in the end, a Republican's going to go into office or a Democrat is going to go into the office or vice versa, right? So it doesn't matter if you classify yourself as independent, eventually you're going to have to figure it out down the line. So why not figure out your beliefs now, figure out what's going on with you uh, inside and, and, and pick a side. That, that, that's my point. I can't obviously force you to do anything. But that's just my belief, my viewpoint on it. Um, and I had the discussion with my friend because he told he was like, I'm an independent. And I'm like, and it's funny too, because the people that I talk to that are that so-called label themselves as independent normally are conservative. They just don't want to admit that they're conservative or Republican. Um, I, I have discussions with them and almost 95% of the stuff I talk about, they agree with on the right. And maybe like 5% they agree with on the on the left. Or they maybe like 90% agree with on the right and 10% agree with on the left. Uh, and I'm telling you, majority of the stuff they agree with, they, and they don't even realize it either. Like the funniest part that I realized is like, I'll tell them, I'm like, oh, so you'd be more conservative on that viewpoint. And they go, yeah, I guess, um, I guess, right? Because the, even they don't really understand the what's going on really politically. So that's why they kind of classify themselves as independent. They're not very up to date on it. And they and they kind of don't really un, they they don't know that they're conservative. They just they just know okay I, I side with this like I believe in this, and that, and that's the craziest part to me is like I'm like oh so you'd be conservative, and they'd be like no I'm independent and I'm like oh well technically you would you you know classify yourself as independent but you would really you know you'd be more right than left, and that would mean that you're more conservative in your beliefs than you are. Uh, you know, Democrat or, or liberal, like you'd be more conservative in your beliefs. But anyways, it's kind of crazy, but look out for that podcast coming soon. Cause I'm telling you, I'm going to, I'm going to go hard on that one. But anyways, uh, so going back to like depression, like that's the key, right? You got to figure yourself out. Right. And it's kind of like, it, it, it's the most difficult thing you'll ever have to, to really do because you're battling yourself and you have to really figure yourself and start digging deep. And most people do not want to dig deep on themselves. They, they just, they go, Oh, okay, this is me. Like I believe in this and I do that, but they really don't sit down with themselves and, and really try to figure out, you know, what direction they're heading towards. That was my problem too. I didn't really have a clear direction where I wanted to go and I wasn't really aiming for anything. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to be with this person. I'm going to go and do this. You know, I'm going to college. That's what I'm, that's what's expected of me. I didn't have a plan. And so when that, when that person left, that, that was all I really believed in at the time. And I had nothing. I felt like I was naked. I had nothing. And that's what I realized. I, I didn't develop myself. I, I, I did everything for that person. And I thought that was going to be the, the end of it. That was going to be like my whole entire life with this, this individual. And it didn't happen. And like 90% of relationships that, that, you know, your first relationship or, yeah, I'd say the first relationship, like 90% of them don't work the first time because it's like a trial and error. You're trying to figure out uh, the other person, the other person trying to figure you out. Um, and you're trying to basically figure out if you guys are a match. And we were by far, you know, not even really on the same page. You know, a little bit on the same page. I'd say I was more on, on the same page with her than I was with my last um, my last ex-girlfriend. But uh, but you know, it's all trial and error. You just learn. You're like, all right, I have to go with someone that maybe believes in this more a little bit and we'll go at a faster pace than a slower pace. And like everything gets delayed. So anyways, moving on. So that's uh millennials or the generation of depression. So if you want to talk more about that, just let me know, uh, post in the comments or anything, or just reach out to me. We're going to go into the second topic, which is uh look ahead, not behind you. Now, 
I talked a little bit about this one too, where I, I, I kind of came across um, a video where I do believe it was a Grant Cardone video, but he was, he made a scenario, right. Of a car, you take a car. And if you look at your car, you know, you're sitting in the driver's seat, your front mirror, right. The front window in front of you is massively big, right? You can see everything in front of you. Okay. But if you look out to the back window, the rear window, it's very, very small. And you can only see a little bit behind you. And he said, the reason for that is because you really shouldn't be looking behind you. You should always be paying attention in front of you. You need to see more and be more observant in front of you than you do behind you in the car. And when I heard that, I was like, oh my God, like that's gold. Like that's perfect. That's like the, that's like the, the, almost like uh, the missing ingredient to life, right? Because so many people are, are paying attention to what's behind them and not in front of them, right? Uh, they mess up at work and they go, and the, and the whole entire day they're thinking about the mess up that they just did at work. I'm telling you, I work and I'm just like, okay, if this, you know, this might happen, but if it happens, it happens. I'm just going to move on and get on to the next thing. And I'm going to be bluntly, bluntly honest with you. The, the reason I do get frustrated at this job that I'm at right now is because they hold the mistakes on you. They hold them on you. And I think it's the stupidest thing this company does. Um, I'm going to be like bluntly honest with you, but it, it's, it's mostly every corporation does this where actually I really shouldn't say every corporation, but this, you know, this one obviously does, but the, the biggest thing that frustrates me is let's say you messed up. All right. You, um, and by the way, keep in mind, it's guaranteed you're going to mess up at this job. Okay. It's guaranteed. Like there's not one person that does not make a mistake at this job. There's too many, too many moving parts that are going in, into this company. You're not a robot. You're not programmed. Uh, you know, you're human. You're going to make trial and error. I mean, I'm doing like four, you know, I'm making phone calls. I'm, I'm pushing 40 emails out. Uh, you know, every, you know, I'm pushing out at least six, maybe even eight emails out an hour. Uh, you're, you're bound to mess up by going fast and you're trying to make more money. The faster you can produce the emails, the more bonuses you'll get at this company. And that's what they promote at this company. Push out more emails, get your productive up, uh, pro uh, productivity up, we'll give you bonus and we'll give you more money, right? So you're bound to mess up at this job, okay? They do a one-on-one -on -one every single week. I so happened uh, for the last couple of one-on-ones, I didn't get anything, which is, you know, like fantastic. It's either two, two reasons why I didn't get anything. Either one, the person just fixed it and they didn't, you know, do a coaching. By the way, the coaching uh, template and everything is kind of whack. Uh, it, it, you lose a lot of time trying to do the coaching. So I'm sure a lot of people are like, screw the coachings. I'm not going to do them anyways and just move on. Uh, or they fixed it. Or I really just didn't really do anything, which I, hard, I highly, highly doubt I didn't do anything, right? But, um, or I just made friends there and they're just like, oh, I know who Tyler Dunn is. I'm not going to report that. He's a good guy. He helps me out all the time. Right. It could be that, that too. Right. But the, the point is I messed up, right? Um, my mess up was I had a system down. Okay. And I'm sure people are going to laugh at this. I laughed at it. I, I, I was kind of, I'm not going to lie to you. I was pissed when she did this, but at the same time I laughed afterwards. Cause I'm like, wow, I was really stupid. Right. But the, what happened was I worked on a Saturday systems down. They, uh, they're working on, on the facility and the power goes out and went out like twice. So I lost about 
10 minutes of, uh, of production time and I'm supposed to report that so it doesn't get counted against me um, when I'm trying to, you know, trying to hit my goals and, and hit my, uh, my, my numbers basically. So I pro, you know, I put it in, I asked uh, my friend next to me, I'm like, Hey, cause his computer was still working. He was on like a different grid or something. And I'm like, Hey, my system's down. How do I report this? Cause I'm like, I've never really done a systems down before. And he's like, you're going to press system down on the phone and you're going to, you're going to track the time that it took you to reboot. And then he's like, you're going to put it on the tracker. And when you send the tracker to Lori, you shall see that it's system down. Excuse me. And I'm like, perfect. All right. I do that to a T. I write down everything. I track it, put it on the tracker. I send it to my boss, everything. Right. Then next, the next, uh, I think, I think like a couple days later, cause then, you know, every single week she'll go through your hours and everything. She writes me an email and she goes, Hey, next time when you go into systems down, you have to program it into your schedule as well. Like you put it on the tracker, but you also put it into your normal schedule. And that way it, uh, it goes through the system and I go, okay. And I walk, you know, I walk over, I talk to her. I'm like, so I'm like, the system won't let me do it. How do I do this? And she's like, oh, you can't, you can't program it. Once it's passed that day, you're supposed to, you know, you're supposed to do it on that day. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, okay. And she's like, yeah, sorry. Better luck next time. Basically like, you know, you got screwed out of the time, the 10 minutes or whatever. She's like, it didn't really affect you, but you got screwed out of the 10 minutes. And I'm like, okay, no big deal. I'm like, it's whatever. I can't do anything about it. I'm moving on. Right. Move on. Three days later, we're going into today. We sit down at the table. There's eight people. Okay. Eight people. We're at a meeting. She starts talking about, cause she told me on the one, what's up, Brandon? Haven't, yeah, what's up, man? I haven't talked to you in a long time. I'll reach out to you after. Um, but uh, re- so she's in the meeting, right? There's eight people, okay? And she goes, hey, I just want to let everyone know when you go into systems down, you have to report it on the schedule, the physical uh, IEX schedule or whatever. And, I, and I'm like, okay, she's talking about it because of me, right? She brought it up and she told me she was going to do this in the one-on-one, right? And she goes, and everyone looks at her and they go, yeah, okay, we already know that. And she goes, okay, because... I'm just saying because someone told me that they were never told to put it into the schedule. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm fucking pissed. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, oh my God. I'm, because no one knows, right? Like she didn't, she didn't point me out or say anything, but I'm, I'm like, like, come on. You had to really say that. Like, I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know I was being honest with you. And I'm like, I'm telling you, I didn't know. Right. But she threw it almost like, like she obviously knows I'm in that meeting. I'm looking at her face to face. Okay. When she's saying this. So the point that pissed me off was I'm like, did she really have to do that? Right. So I'm pissed off in that, that physical moment in time, the two minutes that I'm sitting there and I'm like, like, I'm like pissed. Like, I'm like, I'm telling you I'm pissed. And I realized like two minutes later, I'm like, yeah, it's stupid to be pissed off at that. It's just like stupid shit. Like, what am I going to do? I can't do anything about that. I just got to learn. So I'll just, next time I'll just put it in the, in the schedule. But that's what I'm talking about where it was a, it was an obstacle where I wasn't looking ahead at the time, right? I wasn't looking and you know, moving forward. I was looking behind me and I was so pissed that she said it, that I was kind of like looking behind me and I'm like, I'm stuck in the past, stuck in the past. I'm trying to move forward to the future. And uh, and after the two minutes, I'm like, okay, I can start moving forward because I got out of, I got out of that haze. I got out of that bad negative vibe. And I'm like, I'm going to move forward. Right. And 
it, it was just it was a crazy thing because I um I I you know I got stuck. I got stuck in, in almost hate for a second. I got stuck almost in hate for a second. I was like so pissed. And I'm like, did she really have to go and do that? The answer is she probably didn't have to go and do that, but you know, it it, it was probably a test for me, right? Uh, not a test that she's testing me. It's a test of 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 God or fate that's trying to test me to see if I'm really, really trying to do what I'm telling you guys to do. And that's what I realized too. Um, you know, I'm human. You know, I have emotions. Uh, sometimes you really can't control your emotions. Uh, you know, especially you know, tragic, tragic stuff will happen within this lifetime, uh, within your lifetime. And sometimes you really, you really can't control what happens. You just have to kind of bite, you know, bite your teeth or whatever and move on forward and try to, you know, push through it. Um, I was driving on the highway today and I saw, um, you know, traffic's backed up. Uh, it takes like an hour just to get through this one little section. And I look over and there's black smoke pouring out in the, in the middle of the median, right? Uh, there's a car that I guess, I don't know what happened because I didn't see it, was flipped, not flipped, but like turned sideways uh, towards the wrong direction of the highway on fire, all right? Fire department's there, there's police cruisers everywhere, ambulance coming flying down the side of the other side of the, you know, the other side of uh, traffic, and it, and it threw me off for a second, right? I'm looking at, you know, I'm looking at the, the, the burning wreckage. That's why everyone's moving slow, right? There's nothing in our way. It's not even in our lane, right? It's not even in our, our side of traffic, but it affects our side of traffic. Why? Because everyone's focused on what's on the side of them, what happened, right? Or what is happening and is not focused what's in front of them and they're not driving, right? They're focused on that car wreck or that, that fire that's going on over there. Their attention is not straight ahead in front of the car mirror, right? Or the, or that big dash of a window, right? So, you know, that, and that, and that's something that, you know, is, is very, very common. You're going to see that. I'm telling you, start paying attention to the people around you, pay attention to your family members, pay attention to your friends, pay attention to your coworkers, pay attention to the, the, the salesperson that's probably going to, um, that you're probably eventually going to run into that's going to sell you on a car or something. They're not paying attention to what's in front of them. They're, 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 they're too focused on, on behind them. They're not, they're not trying to move forward. Um, and you'll see it. Like I'm telling you, just pay attention. Like start opening your eyes. Uh, it, I saw this one video where it's, uh, and, and this is actually like a political, uh, a political thing that they kind of make fun of where, uh, they take the matrix, Right. They take the matrix and it's, um, I can't think of the guy's name. Uh, I can't think of the guy that, that is the actual person that is the character that, that puts the blue pill and the red pill. Hang on. I might, I might have it backwards. I think the red pill is on the right funny enough. And the blue pill is on the left. Now I don't know when they created that segment on the matrix, if it was, potentially like I got to do some research on it, but it's kind of ironic that the red pill, which would be Republican would be on the right. And the blue pill would be on the left, the left palm. Um, but there's a scene in the matrix where the guy, the character comes out to Neo and he goes, Hey, you could take the red pill and basically be the hero of your own life, basically. And, and start, you know, con you know, doing, doing what your basically your potential is. Or take the blue pill and basically stay in fantasy land. Stay in fantasy land, 
uh, you know, keep the job that you're working, the nine to five that you hate, basically, uh, you know, all, all the all the crap that that society is playing on you, um, all the tricks and take the blue pill. And he ends up taking the red pill and the red pill is basically what they say, like wakes him up and he comes and, and realizes that it's the matrix. It's a, it's, it's a computerized system that all the humans are plugged in to this, uh, this whole system that's basically on this, uh, this system, right. And is, uh, and is basically like trick basically. And I just thought it was funny because when I saw that, when I saw that, it was, it was interesting because I don't know if it was really a political thing or not. I just, I just remember seeing it, and I think they do, they do kind of make in like the business realm of things. Um, they kind of do it as like a. I've seen it on a couple of interviews where they mentioned it with like business, uh, you know, like high end business uh, salespeople. And they kind of reference it and they're like, yeah, like sometimes you just have to wake up and, and not let society basically bully you, bully you around and, uh, and start taking ownership of your own life and start pushing for more, you know, more things that you want. And that was kind of like the thing I took out of it. Um, I'm trying to think. Yeah. So that, that would be kind of more of like look ahead and not behind you. Uh, but it's, it's one of those things where you kind of have to wake up. You have to start paying attention to your surroundings and, and moving forward. Uh, so right now, what we're going to do is I'm going to go into Dundeal Investments. We'll wrap this up and we'll move forward. So uh, for anyone that doesn't know, my name is Tyler Dunn. I own a company called Dundeal Investments LLC, where the deal is already done. And with this company, what it's designed to do is to take a distressed seller and, and match them with an investor, right? So the distressed seller with the investor and that's why the slogan is where we where the deal is already created because we're creating a deal from the seller and the investor. Now, uh, before I go into the process of how we do that, I'm going to go into how this service can actually help, like who the individuals are where this service can help. It's going to be people that are what I label as distressed, uh, distressed sellers. So basically what that means is someone that financially kind of needs the assistance. So Anyone that's going into like pre-foreclosure, which would be the, the most of the time pre-foreclosure means that the bank, they took a mortgage normally from a bank and they're behind on payments. So now the bank's threatening to repossess that property and that would be considered their, them, that person going through pre-foreclosure. That's where we would help you out. Uh, liens on your property, city just issues you like citations. And if you don't pay them after a certain point, they just keep on collecting interest. Uh, thanks, Jason. I appreciate that. Um, just, you know, keep on collecting interest and then they kind of can't get ahead because maybe they couldn't pay a $200 citation. Now it's up to $1,500, $2,000. And now they definitely probably can't pay that. They couldn't pay the $200 before and now they can't pay $1,400 or $1,500. Um, job transfers, which are a little bit uh, tricky because a job transfer, all it really is, it's 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 actually simple, but it's tricky in some parts because most people want to use a real estate agent. But Job transfer is like if you got a job outside of a different state and you have to go in the next like week or two, um, or you, you want to move to a different city and, and you can't stay in the same property because it's going to be like three, you know, take you like a day to get to work. Um, that would be considered, you know, something you have to sell your house really, really fast. Real estate agent might not be able to do that depending on the condition of your property. So 
if um you know and sometimes it, it like for them it might take them like three weeks maybe a month it just depends on the market that that actual market in that neighborhood and at the same time it also depends on you know the condition of your property if it's in like mint condition obviously you'd probably sell it a little bit a little bit faster but um most of the times you know most people don't really take care of the property too well so job transfers would be one uh, if you inherited a property so that's uh, if like a loved one, normally it's it, norm, most of the time, it's normally like an elderly person where they pass away due to like, you know, natural causes, old age. And in the will, they, they passed over the property, right? So most of the time too, if it's an elderly person, they didn't really take care of the property. Uh, you know, they just get older. They, they tend not to really take care of the property. It's not on their, on their priority list. And so there's a lot of, you know, work to be done on that. That's where done deal investments would help you out. Uh, if you just kind of don't really want to deal with a real estate agent, you know, it's it's a market where it is really saturated. It tends to be um, like everyone, like every every next door neighbor is a real estate agent. And at the same time, high commission fees. So that's something else done deal investments would help you out with where we don't, we don't have commission fees that we charge the seller. The investor would pay the, the actual, what we call a finder's fee. So that's something we can help you out with, with, uh, you know, or you just had a bad experience with a real estate agent, right? happens too. There's, there's a lot of that. Uh, my mom tried to do something with her house a couple times with uh, different real estate agents, didn't really help. And she was kind of frustrated with real estate agents. So, and I'm sure she's not the only one, like I said, it's a market filled with, uh, you know, it's, it's a saturated market where there's a lot of real estate agents, it's not hard to find them. Um, so that there's that. Um, and there's a couple other reasons or other reasons you might want to sell your property fast. I mean, you just don't have mate, you know, a lot of maintenance. You can't, you know, you can't keep up with the property. You're behind on back taxes or property tax. Uh, you know, maybe you know someone that owns a bank, like a small bank, and they're and they have a lot of foreclosures. And if it's a small bank, they tend to lose money on the property, so they want to get rid of the property as fast as they can and just sell and cut the losses. Uh, so that's something that I could also do with Dundee Investments is help that bank owner or help a small bank or even a big bank if they wanted to. Uh, most of the big banks probably won't really do it, but the small banks will definitely try to get rid of that that type of asset because it's it it depreciates over time and uh, they're losing money on the deals. They want to get rid of that that foreclosure. So I can help with that. So any situation you want to sell your property extremely fast for a quick cash offer with an automatic investor, and trust me, I have the investors. Um, already basically, I already have investors that would automatically buy your property. So like I said, if you know anyone, anyone that wants to, you know, maybe needs a financial lift with their property, um, even if they don't even want to sell it and they want to stay living in that property, I actually have someone that came up to me a couple weeks ago where they said they have um, a uh, investor that actually knows how to basically uh, keep that person living in that property and I'm pretty sure how they how they do it, honestly, in, in in logical terms, like I can think of is is they're gonna buy your property, you can stay in it, and you'll just pay them until you pay off the debts or whatever. That's that's what I'm assuming they're gonna do. Uh, she didn't tell me too much of the detail, but she did tell me if the person that you're talking to, uh, that's a seller, doesn't really want to leave that property, she has a, a connection where she can actually keep them living in that property until uh, they get through whatever they're trying to get through. So I also have that way too. So plenty of ways that I can help you out with. Now, how this process works is a three-step process that I call the three steps of financial freedom. The first step is you have to contact Dundeal Investments, uh, whether it's a email, whether it's uh, on the website, 
right, on the website, email, phone, texting, whatever, social media, direct, uh, direct messaging on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, no matter what it really is, you just have to contact Dundee Investments. The second step, uh, the second step from that is after, I actually missed a part on it, but still on step one, technically, we would just ask you some very, very basic questions on the condition of your property. And we would ask you the condition um, or the, the, the problem basically that you're trying to get out of. So, you know, like I stated in the other, other parts where if it's like pre-foreclosure, um, liens, we have to get a better understanding of your financial situation or the problem that you're trying to get out of so we can help fix that and give you a solution to that. Same thing with the, the property maintenance is when I go to the investor and I find you the investor, I need to be able to send them all the information and that's included in a uh, description of like the cost or what needs to be worked on on your property. So that's step one. Now step two, going into step two, would be then we schedule an appointment for me to come to your property. I do a walkthrough. I can answer any questions you have um, in person. If you wanted to ask me questions in person, I can, I can answer those questions that you have at that time as well. Do a walkthrough. I'm going to do five pictures inside your property, five pictures outside. From there, what we're going to do is, um, the reason I'm walking around too, by the way, I'm going to bring an estimate sheet. So I'm going to write off all the stuff that I'm seeing physically that's probably wrong with the property that the investor will have to take a cost on or pay to fix. And so the reason I'm collecting all this data, by the way, the 10 pictures and you know the estimate is because when I go to find you an investor, I want to be able to just send them information, get them on the same page as fast as, as fast as possible. This is how we sell your property fast, by the way. So I want to be able to send everything, direct email, direct whatever that person's comfortable, that investor's com uh, comfortable viewing it on or whatever, you know, a text message, we have email, we have so many different ways now to do this online at least. And I got to send them all the information so they're caught up, they're ready to go on the deal and we can move on to step three. Now, step three would be that I run comps in your neighborhood. So we're on step three. We run comps in your neighborhood and we find the best um, average price that we can get from three properties that have sold on your in that market, in that neighborhood, uh, as close as we possibly can to yours uh, in a short amount of time that it's been sold on the market, right? So basically, once we get that average cost, we then go through all the deductions or the investment of that investor that they're going to have to put into that capital or their, their own capital into that property to make it into mint condition. We deduct it. And from that price, we negotiate. So once we come to an agree, uh, an agree, agreement, I don't know how I could say it, agreement on the price and the terms, we then can move on and uh, go into the contract part. And that's basically the last step. And then it all moves from there. So, from that, you we just once we come to the agreement on everything, if you have to stay in the house for three more months, you have to do X, Y, and Z before you can actually go and find another property. Uh, you need a real estate agent to go find you one. You need a home inspector. I can give you, you know, I'll supply all that for you as um, a resource from Dundee Investments. I know a lot of different real estate agents. I know a lot of different elements where they'll, you know, be more than happy to assist you on any of that stuff that you need um, to move forward to, you know, moving into another property. So whether it's renting or buying. Now, from this element, right, from this part, uh, once we come to that agreement, the seller would sign, I would sign for Dundee Investments, and the investor would sign the contract. So all three parties sign the contract. 
the seller and myself would give you the cash offer that was negotiated and agreed upon in that contract. Um, and we would obviously follow the, the policy or the, um, the terms that you would need. That person would then be able to um, go and buy another property with that cash offer or rent or whatever they want to do with that money to go get another property or another place to live. And if, uh, and some of these situations, like most of the time, it's going to be a financial issue where, uh, like maybe like a pre foreclosure, where if that bank did repossess that property and they lost all their money, it would destroy their credit. This is a great way where we would basically work with the bank, probably pay off the bank, right? The, the best, the best scenario would be paying off that, that bank, that mortgage, and then, uh, just flipping it basically and selling it. So at least that's probably what the investor would do. It's up to the investor what he wants to do once he takes hold of the, the property, the, the physical property. So um, on that part, it's basically now that person will go and that person will not be affected credit. You know, their credit will not be destroyed. It'll physically help them financially. They'll get money from their equity. They will then move on and their credit will be perfectly fine. As it was left, it doesn't affect their credit and they move on with their lives and they, they get out of that financial difficulty spot. Um, and by the way, like, like these, these situations are not fun situations. Like, you know, it's, it's messing with your living conditions and uh, that, that's a big, big issue. Like that's, that's, that's a big, 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 massive issue. Like no one wants to lose their house and, and, you know, then you think about being homeless and all that stuff. No one wants that. So this is definitely a great resource for that. Now, investor will obviously win on the deal. He's going to flip the property, make a profit. Uh, done deal investments is obviously going to win too because we're going to get commission fee or a finder's fee from the investor. So we'll make some money off on the deal for creating it and getting both parties in on the deal. And then we'll be able to go and assist more people and, and keep promoting and buy more promotion and advertising and different things where we can then go and help other uh, other people as well and other investors, other sellers, other people that are in need, right? So that's that's uh, that's the whole process of done deal investments right now. Now, um, real quick, I'm going to tell you what I kind of want to do with it and then we're going to wrap it up. So I want to get done deal investments to a part or a point where it's it's extended into different resources for homeowners as well as investors. So I want to get it so that we can get, um, we're not just basically helping people get out of financial conditions with their property. We're also creating it where we have home inspections. We have real estate agent teams. We have financing department. We have different elements of buying a home that would make it a lot easier for a seller to go to the next step, to the next step, basically an all, all in one stop shop. And uh, like that's that's where I want to do with it is make it an all in one uh, all all in one stop shop, one stop shop. I, I think I kind of messed up the wording, but one stop shop, where once we get that distressed seller, she that person he or she does not have to go to six other companies to do what they need to do and get another property. Um, it's a, it's actually a big issue with uh, with buying a property is most people hate the buying process. It's almost like buying a car sometimes. Like you know, everyone's like, I don't want to go buy a car. I have to go through this department to that department to this department to that department to that department. Um, it's a little bit more difficult when you buy a property because normally you have to go find a real estate agent, find you the property. Sometimes that real estate agent will have a home inspector, like majority of the time they will. So that kind of helps you out. Um, but sometimes you might have to go find your own inspector. 
then you have to go and find financing, which you're probably going to try to go to a bank to get a mortgage or some type of mortgage broker. Um, and that, you know, that's, that's the rough part too, is then you have to go find financing, go, go get it and get approval and all that stuff. So, um, and then so on and so on, like, then there's probably a little bit more to it, but I need, um, you know, it's obviously going to take time to build that stuff. So right now we're really focused on helping uh, sell your property very, very fast with quick cash offers, uh, with uh, working with some investors that just really want to get paired onto these deals and help uh, help people out, help sellers out. I don't know, you know, don't know too much about how to get out of these financial situations. So that's really what I want to work on and do with this business um, and get and scale it to that point, right? So, and then obviously try to figure out Excuse me. Then try to figure out, obviously, to how to how I can help more investors out. I mean, some of this stuff, obviously, you, you could get investors involved in, probably like financing and stuff like that. But um, and then obviously, you know, there's probably, you know, I haven't really sat down with it and really thought about the investor side of it. So that's probably something I really should do is sit down with myself and start thinking about like ideas that I could really help more investors as well as the sellers. But um, but yeah, so that that's what I'm really thinking about. Uh. The big thing for me too is just trying to find other niches and other resources that I could add on to Dundee Investments to get a little bit more capital. Is that that's a big thing right now? Is uh, I'm trying to figure out uh, different, you know, products or services that we could sell that could gain a little bit more capital or more um, more money to kind of to put into advertising or to put into different things. Because right now Dundee Investments is not a big brand. It's very very small. No one really knows too much about Dundee Investments. And if, if you ever mention to someone, uh, hey, have you ever heard of Dundee Investments? They're going to be like, no, what is that? They're not going to, they haven't really, it, it hasn't really been branded. Um, you know, it hasn't really been branded too much. So I need to figure out how to get a little bit more capital or more services and products uh, to get more capital. And that's that's what I'm thinking about doing. So um, that's Dundee Investments, LLC. And I'm going to wrap this up right now. So for anyone that doesn't know, my name is Tyler Dunn. This has been episode 91 of Goals and Updates. I appreciate everyone that's come on here. You know, it's 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 amazing when I get to the end of these episodes and I look. Um, I, I got a lot of engagement on Facebook. Instagram kind of, you know, Instagram, I don't, it doesn't really give me a lot of uh, engagement. I did have a lot, honestly, on Instagram, but Facebook was pretty awesome. Uh, I, I enjoy Facebook a lot more than Instagram, honestly, especially video content and, and the live streaming. But um I really appreciate that, uh, you know, I had, uh, you know, sometimes I get old, old, old people I haven't talked to in a long time that join these. And that's really, and I love that. I really love seeing people that I haven't talked to in a long time reach out on these. But anyways, this has been episode 91 of Goals and Updates. I'll see you Saturday at about 5 p.m. for episode 92 of Goals and Updates. Uh, my name's Tyler Dunn with Dunn Deal Investments, LLC, where the deal is already done. Peace.